Lords of Limited is proud to be brought to you in part by StarCityGames.com. Not only are they the home of the top content and coverage on the web, they're also the world's largest independent retailer for Magic the Gathering singles and supplies. For more information, visit StarCityGames.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, you've been playing Sealed all week. How are the mean streets of Eldraine Sealed? You know, I'm, I was pleasantly surprised, Ben. I was expecting Sealed in this format to be pretty boring um, just because there's not a lot of fixing. And I feel like that's where you get some sort of, I don't know, ownership over your Sealed pools or your builds or whatever, where it's not just like, well, what are my two deepest colors? And I'll just jam those together. But I actually found Throne of Eldraine Sealed to be very, very interesting. I I may just have to make the statement that I actually kind of like Sealed. No. I think so. I think it's kind of a fun puzzle. Like when we were just like, all right, we're going to play Sealed this week to prep for the podcast. We have a Sealed episode. Like it's a fun puzzle to just open up six packs and be like, all right, what's the best deck? Or like, are there multiple builds? All that stuff. I, I find it actually pretty fun. Who are you and what have you done I'm with Ethan Sachs? Get, I know. Get, 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 just stop this charade. <laughs> I'm sorry. How about you? How was your uh, your little dalliance with Sealed this week? It was good. I did two Sealed today before we recorded the podcast so that I felt like I could contribute to the conversation some, and I would have done more had I had more time, but band has kind of eaten up my life the last four or five days. Yeah, fall is a tough life for Mr. Metronome in the world of content production. Three more weeks. We're counting down the days. All right, so shall we check in on the trophy leaderboard real quick? We should. I've done four drafts also, so I'm now up to 22 drafts, 47 and 18 overall record with seven trophies and a 72% win rate. Yeah, so uh, we did two drafts together this week, actually. So for folks who don't know, we do these monthly showdown videos where Ben and I join a draft together on Magic Online. So we're like in the same eight-person pod. We record each of our drafts separately with commentary. And then we face off our decks against each other where you can see both hands revealed. And we do some commentary on it, a lot of like uh, mostly just making fun of each other. But it's actually pretty good limited content, I think. And so we released two of those this week. So you can check those out on our YouTube channel. Um, I also did a few drafts this week in addition to my uh 10 sealed pools i did i'm up to 69 drafts 141 to 63 win loss 22 trophies so just one more trophy and a 70 percent win rate still i just want to go back to the sealed is all right thing there's no world where you're choosing to play sealed over draft given the choice yes don't no yeah of course don't put words in my mouth that's not what i said i'm just saying like i enjoyed it and i i think it was really bonkers when we did modern horizons and i actually felt like i enjoyed that sealed format more than that draft format i'm not there here but i just think like sealed is pretty fun it's not as bad as i think i remember it being and i think maybe that has to do with me getting better as a player and also i think these formats being more interesting than perhaps formats where we played sealed like a few years ago look at you evolving growing changing So were you not, did you not enjoy your, your time with sealed? No, I did. I very much enjoyed my two seals. I also won a lot, which helped, I'm sure. But yeah. I just want to play all drain. So playing magic was great. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of winning, if we check in on that MTGO sealed record, I've done my two seals, went eight and two. I maybe could have gone five oh in one of them. I was pretty tired playing today. <laughs> Some loose play on stream. So no trophies, went four and one in each of them and an 80% win rate. Yeah, I did a solid 10 sealed leagues this week, 34 and 16, two trophies, 68% win rate. Just my my solid solid 67% win rate across the board. Yeah, it came in hot though with the two trophies right off the bat though, right? I did. Yeah, my first two pools were pretty busted. Um, I mean, obviously like there's a lot of skill involved in figuring out like what the exact bills are and what the matchups are, etc. Like there's a lot that goes into any match of magic. So I felt lucky with that. But yeah, I did come in hot with two trophies right off the bat. Very cool. 
All right, so we are going to talk about all things sealed, much to Ben's chagrin. He came in kicking and screaming, but we got to do it. We got GP Phoenix coming up this week. Um, more, I'm sure, like MTGO tournaments, lots of PPTQs. If you want to qualify for any sort of high-level event in the next few months via limited, you're going to have to play some Eldrain sealed. So we want to get all that good information out to you this week. But before we get into any of that, we got to talk about the Lords of Limited Patreon. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where you can go to give back to the show if you so choose. It is still hustling and bustling. A lot of folks trying to break the format, continuing to evolve with the arena metagame, continuing to discuss card evaluations. I really got to say, I am diving into the Discord, I think, more than I have been in previous sets and really enjoying getting to talk with a lot of our listeners and a lot of our patrons via the discord just getting into the nitty-gritty about some card evaluation seeing how people are changing over the weeks it's just a fantastic place to belong and a fantastic place to grow as a magic player so we got people who are going to be joining each and every week and we of course want to welcome them to the fold and announce them on the show so this week we're going to be welcoming Raphael, alexander glosu luke kyle top deck 88 Andrew, Brandon, A.E., Thomas, J.T., Spirit Token, Mickey, Rob, Al, At, Jared, David, Jim, Michael, Jeffrey, Simon, Hansa, Sam, Brian, Oren, and Sadie. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Cannot say thank you enough. And I will say I spent eight hours on a band bus yesterday and I was on the Discord for most of it. And I just kind of felt like I was playing Magic on the band bus. I did a complete Magic Online draft with me with someone. Did a lot of what's the bills, a lot of what's the picks. Just cleaned up my Discord, all those notifications. It was awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way to just be able to go, all right, I'll play via proxy through someone else. You know, it's really, there's just always something to scratch that itch in the Discord, no matter when you check it. Yep. Lords of Lynn is now also partnered with Coalesce Apparel and Design, Magic's newest apparel company. And as part of that, we have a gift code for you to get 10% off your order, which pertains to any apparel on their website, not just our merchandise. And that code is LOL, all caps. Again, that code is LOL, all caps. Head on over there to coalesceapparel.shop and pick up your Lords of Limited t-shirts today. Do it. What are you waiting for? Hashtag I'm with Ben. Yeah, we both are. So, all right. (laughs) (laughs) We are going to be talking about all things sealed, as I said, diving into sort of some like general format thoughts. And then we're going to look at a few of my pools that I opened and just sort of talk through my thought process of building it. So we'll have some imager links for you to follow along at home. There's really no other way to talk about sealed in specifics without having uh, some visuals to go along with it. So we'll do our best to help folks who are maybe listening while they're driving or doing something else can't check the visuals. Uh, We'll do our best to illuminate things as we discuss them. But that's how we're going to be proceeding through the show. So Ben, I'm going to have you kick us off here with your initial impressions from your sealed experience today. Yeah, this was two sealed today, and these are just some things that hit me. I found that it was really important to have removal in my decks. I was even happy playing the stupid four and a black. What is that called? Festive, Festive something. funeral, yeah. Festive funeral. I was even happy playing that in my black green deck, and I had a I had a clutch witch's oven that was able to put some cards in my graveyards at key moments to get that up to the right number. But just the ability to get things off the board was really important. And there were a couple times I spewed removal a little too early for not key targets. Just making sure you're really patient with your removal and holding it for something that you absolutely need to kill, I thought was a pretty big key. I was very impressed with Adventure in Sealed, much more so than in Draft. I mean, I know Adventure cards are good, but just every time somebody got a two-for-one off an Adventure card just felt very strong in Sealed, uh, especially in green and black. I think card advantage and recursion was very impressive. I was very impressed with Once in Future from one of my opponents. They had two of those, and just the ability to rebuy bombs with a card like that, or Forever Young, or 
Sparrow Witches, being able to rebuy a Sir Conrad because it's a knight. There's so many knights that are so good that are in black. I've just been very impressed with black and the recursion in sealed. Several of my opponents just had low impact cards in their deck. And I think you've got to have a good curve, but not at the expense of putting just bad two drops in your deck. I don't think that's where you want to be. And as far as builds, my my two builds were fairly straightforward. You know, I'd done no sealed prep prior to this, came in, built some pools. It felt honestly like you were looking for the same types of synergies and mana base considerations that we've talked about in draft. I didn't feel like it was drastically different like types of decks I was trying to create than what we're looking for in draft. No, and it didn't feel like markedly slower as some sealed formats do. I mean, I think as we'll get into in a little bit, I do think that like more often than not, you're going to find yourself in more of a grindier matchup, but there are aggro decks that exist out there in sealed and they're totally serviceable. But I didn't find that that was much different than it usually is in draft where like a lot of the decks are grindy, but like you can face a good red, white adventure deck or white, green adventure deck or whatever. And I think that you're probably going to see those decks less often because I think white is the worst color in sealed just because of how it matches up with the rest of the colors. And again, we'll talk about that in just a little bit. Um, But yeah, I I didn't feel like it was much different than draft. I'm curious. So I I was watching you build your second pool today. And for for me, it looked like you had two pretty good decks. You had this black green deck, uh, potentially splashing blue for some strong cards that I was advising you against doing. But then you also had uh, what I thought was a pretty good looking blue red deck. Did you ever end up switching into the blue red deck at any point i did not so i had a black green deck my my rares in the black green deck were just too good to pass up on i did you were right about the blue splash so i was initially trying to splash blue for fey of wishes the one blue one four flyer that can go wish for something in your sideboard for three and a blue adventure and midnight clock the two and a blue mana rock that once it hits 12 counters after every upkeep or you can pump counters into it with two and a blue you get a new hand of seven cards and shuffle your graveyard into your library both of those I was trying to splash, and you were right about not splashing those, I think, after playing a couple games. Mostly, I didn't realize that, you know, if Midnight Clock, if I'm playing it on turn seven or something off my splash, it's going to take so long to go off mm-hmm. after I cast it. You really want to play that early. So, not a great card to splash. Fay of Wishes, I think, ultimately a little too low impact to splash. So, I ended up after the first two rounds just switching to straight black green, but I didn't ever play the blue red deck. The blue red deck, I had good payoffs for drawing cards but i only had two or three ways to actually draw cards in that pool so Mm. i didn't feel comfortable enough that i was going to get there on the synergy and the the black green i thought offered more raw power interesting yeah oh no i mean i think your black green deck was was really good and that's interesting to hear that you ended up deciding to not splash those two blue cards and i do agree with that uh conclusion so here are my general format thoughts and uh you know feel free to to chime in or, or challenge or whatever at any point. So as I said, I think Eldraine Sealed is a lot more interesting than I thought it would be. I think, you know, there's really little to no fixing. There's a little bit, you know, Green has Rose Thorn Acolyte and Beanstalk Giant, and there are some colorless fixing that is either, you know, permanent or a one-off like Golden Egg or Spinning Wheel. But by and large, that's not going to be very prevalent. And there's no fixing in your lands at all unless you get a Fabled Passage. So I figured the best deck would be apparent and pools would not offer multiple builds. But this has not been the case for me. By and large, the lack of fixing and the presence of adamant make for a particularly interesting deck building process, in my opinion. So I think not only are you really considering your mana base from the beginning in draft, but I think that's happening in sealed as well. And I think adamant is a really interesting mechanic for sealed because it's not 
a good mechanic, quote unquote. But if you understand how to build a deck with a good mana base, and that mana is a huge consideration in this format, just like it is in draft, I believe that's going to give you a big edge against your opponents. You know, when your opponents are trying to do like a 7-7-3 or an 8-7-3 mana base, and you've got good mana, and you've also recognized that like you're not going to get adamant on certain cards, or maybe you are going to get adamant on certain cards, or you're choosing to play only one of the tapped common lands versus two or whatever, like I think all those little decision points are really going to add up to you having a much more consistent deck than your opponents a lot of the time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I was particularly impressed, speaking of adamant cards, with Garen Brig Paladin from my opponents and yeah. in my one sealed pool. That's the four and a green, four, four. And if you add them in, it gets a plus one, plus one counter and it can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. Card was a house. Yeah, there's just like nothing really beyond black removal that deals with that in a very efficient way i mean i guess trapped in the tower too but like it's searing barrage i mean there's ways but it's got to eat a removal spell pretty much right because it's so hard to feel good about double blocking that i mean you basically have to be green yourself to feel like you can one for one with it in combat yep so my process to approaching sealed pools is fairly similar to how I do it in any format. I think how we've discussed on previous sealed episodes of the podcast. First, you know, I'm a greedy boy. I want to check my rares. This is usually not super necessary, but I think it's fun um, just to know what kind of power or color consistency you may have. But I will say this doesn't really necessarily dictate anything. I opened a pool with Yorvo. That's the triple green rare, the 4-4 four, four for three. Um, uh, Feasting Troll King and Wicked Wolf in the same pool. And I couldn't really support green as a base color very very well because it was so shallow. So like just because you have those cards doesn't mean that you're going to be able to play them. I think your commons are pretty key in the sealed format, picking up the top commons and or cards like Golden Egg, especially the artifacts. If you get good artifacts, you get a lot more flexibility in your sealed pool building because then you don't have to be quite so deep on playables in the colors that you want to play. Like I would have killed for a couple golden eggs in my last sealed pool. And I also had that same experience where I opened some really good rares and like lots of the best uncommon in the set, my commons were just a little lacking and it made it hard to really get there on a good build. Well, I think part of that is that curve is pretty important. Like it's not a super aggressive format, but you also can't afford to do nothing until turn four where the power hits. Like you have to have something that backs that up. And so you're looking for a good curve of commons because also not only are you looking for a good curve, you want to have those good twos and threes, but oftentimes then that is going to dictate what your primary color is because that's the color where you have the things that you want to be able to consistently play early. Right, right, right. Speaking of colorless cards, that's where I'm going next after I check out my rares. And I'm looking for a number of things here. The first thing I'm looking for is some cards that you mentioned is cards that are going to make my deck always or almost always. So we're looking at uh, Cauldron, Golden Egg, the Witch's Broom, Spinning Wheel, Clockwork Servant, Enchanted Carriage, and then I think even Jousting Dummy and Signpost Scarecrow to an extent. Like Dummy is a totally fine card to fill out the curve, get some twos in there, give you some knight synergy, artifact synergy if you've got foxes or whatever. And Signpost Scarecrow, like, yeah, your four drop slot is generally going to be fine and you don't need to play this. But if you have things that you want to splash, if you have maybe like a 9-9 nine, nine mana base, like si Signpost Scarecrow can just slot into decks pretty nicely. I was very impressed with Spinning Wheel out of my opponents. It felt like a really good late game mana sink in sealed games that went long. Yeah, I'd say that's a card, you know, beyond cards like 
card draw, counter spells, targeted discard, all those things like go up in value in sealed versus draft. I would say spinning wheel gets a huge bump from draft to sealed. Mm -hmm. So then after that, I'm going to go look at any high synergy pieces that I have to have them in the back of my mind when I'm going through the colors. So thinking about heraldic banner or witch's oven or lucky clover or even ginger brute as Artifacts that aren't always going to make my deck, unlike the list before, but of cards that I'm like, well, I'm going to keep an eye out for decks that may be able to support these. I think if you have two Midnight Reapers and a Lucky Clover, you're just supposed to jam that in your pool. Like even if you have minimal other adventure cards, because it's so backbreaking when it comes together. I don't know if I'm there on just Lucky Clover and two Reapers, but I think that's definitely an, an incentive for me to be like, can I get even, you know, five things that'll trigger off this Lucky Clover, you know? Right, right, right. You're much more willing to run the Lucky Clover with only two or three other minor adventure things. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. So then next, I'm going to check my multicolored cards. And this is a pretty big departure from a lot of sealed formats, I think. Whereas oftentimes your multicolored cards are going to dictate what you're supposed to end up in, right? Like this is going to happen a lot less than in previous formats. So you're not going to end up with a ton, first of all. And so many of them are the quadruple hybrid cards that they're either going to fit in the deck that you end up playing or they're not. It's very hard to play this when the two colors don't support them, right? So if there is a ton of overlap, you're going to try and keep that in mind, right? If you have like three blue hybrid cards, you might go, all right, can I build some sort of base blue deck that has all of these. Maybe, maybe not. But it's not something where you go, okay, cool. I've got like two of the red-green uncommons. I'm going to see if red-green works. It just like doesn't really line up that way in this format very often. Right. But there are going to be pools where you get really high synergy. And I think if you get those pools, you should lean into them. I watched you open a mono red sealed pool on stream and you just jammed it with double Torbrin. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not saying that you shouldn't do that at all, that like you shouldn't let things like a deep color or a lot of overlap in multicolored cards dictate things. I just have found that the amount of multicolored cards is shallower uh, than I, I usually find and that the hybrid cards are really hard for you to be able to cast a lot of the time unless you end up in that deck. So again, going back to the idea of like your commons are just going to often dictate a lot of what you're supposed to be doing in this format. That I do agree with. Yep. So then I'm going to go and look at each color one by one. And I think this format, like a lot of sealed formats in recent memory, is slower than draft, but it also incentivizes you to have a good curve, as we said. So you can't afford to not impact the board until your turn four witch stalker or whatever your hybrid card or your bacon the pie removal spell or whatever. You, you just have to be able to be playing something on two or three that's affecting the board. So you're looking for power, consistency, removal, and a good curve. If blue and green don't have any good two drops, it's going to be really hard for me to end up with a Simic deck at the end of my sealed pool building. Uh, yeah, I think it just depends on the power level. I think the two things that stuck out, I'm, granted, I've only done two sealed, so I have a very small sample size, an extraordinarily small sample size, but I was most impressed with bombs and removal. I mean, like really back to fundamentals. I agree with that. And I should be backing up your initial statement of don't put low impact cards in your deck. So I'm not just talking about playing like Garen Briggs Squire or whatever, like the 2-2 that gets plus and plus one until on the turn when you play an adventure. Like I'm not looking for things that I'm not happy to draw late, but I do want to make sure that I have ways to impact the board in some way in those early turns of the game. Right. But that card is unplayable and sealed, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah, most most of the two drops that don't have a late game impact potential are pretty bad, like should not be putting them in your deck because they get outclassed so quickly. There's a lot of really powerful commons. 
Yes. So to that, I want to talk about just some color disparity here. And I think that to start off, black is the best color in sealed. Oh, yeah. It does a lot of things and it does a lot of those things very, very, very well. So it's first off, it offers you the best interaction oftentimes and also not by over committing you to the color, right? You have Epic Downfall at Uncommon and Reef Soul at Common as both very, very good, cheap, efficient removal spells that are only a single black in their mana cost. So you can often play those as your secondary color. And even oftentimes, as we've talked about before, bake into a pie is like pretty fine if you're only running like seven black sources. Right, right, right. Beyond that, it offers card advantage and recursion, right? You've got Foreboding Fruit, you've got Barrow Witches and Forever Young, which you've talked about before. These are really important cards in grindy matchups, which you can often find yourselves in in sealed. So Forever Young is a, a very important card. Oftentimes, if I'm in a black deck and I don't have Forever Young, I'm pretty bummed. So speaking of grindy matchups, I had a sealed pool with a Cauldron of Eternity. This was my first pool, and I wasn't sure if I was going to run it because I only had 12 creatures, and then I ended up deciding to run it because I thought I might be short on ways to close out the game, and I figured it could rebuy me a couple of them. That card is a stone-cold bomb in sealed. I don't know about draft, but it won me so many games. My game plan every time I had it in my hand was just trade things off, play it and win. That's awesome. I have not gotten a chance to see that card in play either for myself or on my opponent's side of the battlefield. So it's very cool to hear that that card is a bomb and sealed. Yep, very good. So the last point I have about why black is so good is that it offers creatures that are good to curve out with, but are also fine in the late game. So you've got Malevolent Noble, the one in the black 2-2. You can sack a thing for two mana to put a plus plus one counter on it. Like you're fine to play that on turn two. And it's also not an embarrassing top deck because at that point you might be able to like you know, sack some things that are under a trapped in a tower or so tiny or whatever, or sack some food tokens. You know, it has implications later in the game. Lost Legion is a card I really, really like. I mean, I like it both in draft and seal, but in seal, especially like three mana, two, three that scries to that's very close to three mana, two, three draw card card is very impressive. You got Falmire Knight um, that can draw you a card and, you know, any any adventures really in black like Falmire Knight or Order of Midnight. These are all good, though. I think Order of Midnight is worse in sealed than in draft because of it not being able to block but it's still a good card falmire knights at times like a four for one though it's so depressing when your opponent draws a card plays it you trade off with it and then they rebuy it with something like a barrow witches and they draw another card and play it and you know you're gonna have to trade off with it again it's so grindy yeah very very grindy and we're talking about plaques cards at common here in like Malevolent Noble and Lost Legion that are down the list. Smitten Swordmaster is another card on this list that I think it's like, I'm fine to play a two mana two on Lifelinker on two. And I'm also happy to grab that late and be able to like drain for three and then drop something that can like chump block or whatever or add to some knight synergy or anything. Like black just has a deep roster of commons in addition to its good efficient removal spells in addition to it's like inherent synergy with knights or adventures or whatever and it also has a lot of good ways to get card advantage and to recur stuff from your graveyard i just think you're going to be black so much too because the depth at uncommon and the power level at uncommon is just ridiculous compared to the other colors yeah so on the other end of the spectrum White, unfortunately, is the worst color in sealed. And I'm not saying that I think white is unplayable or anything in sealed. I've had many white decks that I've been happy with. But it's hard. It has this tension in sealed. And so it's not a bad color in the format, but it wants to do only one thing. It wants to be aggressive. And for that to lead to a successful deck, you need it to be deep in your pool, right? You need to have a lot of white cards. But that's not always going to be the case. And in addition to that, you need another color to provide you with cards that are on a similar plan, right? 
blue is almost never going to do this. Like white blue is almost never going to be a good deck for you. Black and green can sometimes do this and red will often do this, but you then are almost certainly going to have a tough time with your mana. Um, if you pair a color that is leaning aggro with a color that is leaning control, your deck is going to have a lot of tension and as a result, it will not perform well. So I just think you need to keep that in mind. Like, I don't think white is bad, but it doesn't match up well with the other colors in the format. So you sound like you might be speaking from experience with that. Yeah. So I've got like an image here that we'll, we'll post in the, the place where you download the show. So I have a, a, a sealed pool here. This is the one that I talked about before where my six rares were three green cards and three white cards. And the three green cards were Yorvo, Wicked Wolf, and Feasting Troll King. So it's exciting to want to try and play green there, but there's just nothing to back that up. Like I need green to be a base color to be able to cast Feasting Troll King and Yorvo potentially if I want to, but I just don't have the like early drops to support that. And I don't have a deep roster of colorless cards particularly to support that. Um, so the other part of this is white, which is pretty deep. I have triple Ardenvale Tactician, double Fairy Guide Mother, and I actually have a lot of red cards to back this up. I ended up with four Seven Dwarves and three Brimstone Trebuchets. And so I've got like a pretty lean, mean fighting machine aggro deck here in red-white, but it's got some mana tension. It's not a mana base that I'm happy with. It's it's a 9-8 deck here because you've got this tension of I want to be able to cast seven dwarves on turn two or potentially be able to like double seven dwarves on turn four or whatever. But then I also have Ardenville Tactician and the double fairy guide mothers. So do I want to be able to have double white on turn three? Yeah, I do. I want to be able to cast Tactician or be able to go Gift of the Fae plus Fairy Guide Mother. And that can lead to some really awkward tension, right? It seems like a strong aggro deck. It has a lot of good cards, but it's gonna make your mana really, really bad. I mean, we're talking about 9-8 as a bad mana base. And the thing that sort of like compounds this with white is that white is going to be aggressive. And so white wants to have a low curve. And so white really has to be your main color a lot of the time when you're playing white, right? Like the lower your curve, the more often you're going to need those color requirements early. And so then you're going to have to build like a 9-8 deck or a 9-9 deck. But then that's also awkward because these low to the ground aggressive decks don't want 18 lands, whereas I feel like most decks in the format do. So it's just tough. Like I'm not saying you can't get good white decks or good red aggressive decks or whatever, but it's just going to make your mana and deck building considerations, I think, a little difficult. So this red-white deck here, what was the record of it? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, it went. It was 0-2 into 3-2. Yeah, I was going to say, this deck looks pretty good to me. I would say you look a little light on removal. The only removal I see is Trapped in a Tower and a Slaying Fire. Mm -hmm. 20 creatures, which is a boatload of creatures. Looks like Rimrock Knight is a card I would expect to see that's not in here. And maybe some Searing Barrages to help you close out the game. But otherwise, Triple Tactician, Triple Trebuchet, Quadruple Seven Dwarves, your creature base is just outstanding. Yeah, it's good. I mean, I thought this was a, a fine deck. I was sort of not shocked to go 3-2 or whatever. I think that the 0-2 was startling. I was like, oh man, maybe this deck is terrible. But getting to, to rattle off the three wins after that was pretty good. Um, for folks who don't know on Magic Online, it's uh, five rounds of Swiss for every sealed deck you play. Yeah, but again, like this is not unique to the times when I, I played aggro decks in this format. It was just like feeling a little bit of tension and feeling like white needed a buddy. And oftentimes your pool just didn't support that buddy. Like if your green deck is trying to ramp or go big, you can't really pair white with green if your white is just trying to be aggressive, which it almost always is. Yeah, I was green black in both my pools. Black felt great. Green felt great. I played lots of opponents that played green and black as well. I think those are probably the two most common base colors. 
Yes, I think so. I think the Sultai colors are just the best in sealed. Yeah, that makes absolute sense because those are the cards that don't depend on synergy as much. They're they're more individually powerful. Mm-hmm. But they they all have this ability. You know, I think the, the food mechanic in being inherited in green and black and blue just providing you with cheap interaction and card draw is all working towards the same game plan. If the, even there, if there isn't like, you know, obvious synergies of like, well, knights or whatever, or adventures, it's just like, now nah, we're just trying to draw some cards, grind out the opponent, get to our bombs, etc. Right. So decks with a good curve, but built for the long game, I think are going to do the best. This is going to be decks, as I just said, in the Sultai color range, where I think blue, black and black green probably being the best. These decks will have good top end, card draw and mana sinks. And as a result of all that, I believe these decks want to be 18 landers more often than not. Yeah, I I think if you're running 18 lands in draft, you're probably pretty happy running 18 lands in sealed. Yes, I would agree with that. And then I think I cannot stress this enough. As we always say, build multiple decks. And with the sort of like thought behind this as whatever you think your best deck, I would say put it, whatever you think your best deck is, put it on the spectrum of aggro or control, right? If you do end up with, you know, the deck we just talked about where you thought red, white is my best deck, I'm going to build that. Or if you ended up where Ben ended up twice today with two black green decks, fine. Those are going to be either aggro or control. And then build whatever best version of a deck that is the opposite of that. That is my biggest like take away from my week of sealed. So I had a pool and I wrote a cards for your article about this. I had a pool where I built what I thought was a pretty good blue black control deck. And round one, I faced a deck with Oko and the great henge. And so after game one, I was like, cool, there is no way I'm going to win a long game against a deck with those two cards. So having an aggro deck to swap into is incredibly useful in those situations. Now I did not win that match after I did that, but I was not prepared for that and then spent the two minutes of sideboarding going, okay, what deck do I have here? And found a green, white aggro adventure deck. But from that sealed pool on, I made sure that whatever my like base deck was that I built a deck that was on the opposite side of the spectrum, even if I didn't think it was good, just in case I had the opportunity of facing an opponent where I felt like I was aggro and they were going you know, faster than me or whatever, or if I'm aggro, but I'm going to be on the draw against a deck that I think I can't do anything against with that aggro deck. I want something else to be able to switch into. I got got by an opponent today pulling the old deck swap maneuver on me. Yeah. They started out Mardu Knights, like were very aggressive. So I sideboarded in against their aggressive deck and then they sided into like a white black deck that was more controlling and had some flyers. So then I brought in my kill the pheasant what's it called fell the pheasant fell the pheasant not kill the pheasant (laughs) i brought in my fell the pheasants and they swapped into a black green deck they pulled the double deck swap on me whoa my fell the pheasants were dead and yeah i got got pretty hard wow that is very interesting to me i I don't know if i've done any of that like deck swap stuff just to like mess with my opponent but i have really thought about what my matchup is and whether or not I'm on the player of the draw. Those have dictated deck switches to me quite a bit. So there've been some pools where I've just been like, no, this one deck is the best deck. I'm just going to run that through all five rounds. But then there have been other pools where I've swapped quite a bit or like started off with a deck a few times and then switched to another deck to start off with. And for folks who think, okay, well, that's all fine and good on Magic Online, but I'm going to be playing in GP Phoenix this weekend. I can't be swapping decks. You 100% can. I did this when I played at the GP for Ravnica Allegiance. I would highly recommend doing this. It's not, you don't have a lot of time to build pools, but I would highly recommend taking the time to be like, all right, this is my main deck. What's the second deck that I want to make sure I have access to? 
and just being very clear about sleeving that up, having that in a separate section of your deck box so it's clear that that's out there. And then whatever, if there's overlap cards from your first deck to your second deck, write a little note on a piece of paper so you can sideboard pretty quickly. I did that multiple times during that GP and I was happy that I had the opportunity and and the option to do that. And just after you build your deck, in case you built wrong, have other people take a look at your pool and maybe after every game one, you're citing out two or three cards because you built your main deck a little bit incorrectly. Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. Um, And my last point here in sort of like general terms is I think artifact enchantment removal is very much main deckable and sealed. So either true love's kiss or return to nature. Um, I do not think that flying hate in fell the pheasant is main deckable however that makes sense to me and i those were questions i had for you that i immediately texted you when i started doing sealed today fell the pheasant i agree sideboarded it in sometimes but i would not have wanted it in the main deck i had returned to nature main deck in both of my sealed pools today and it did serious work in both my sealed pools occasionally it was a dead card but the times that i got something that was very important far outweighed the few times it was dead in my hand well everyone's playing artifacts is the thing and so not all the time are those artifacts going to be high impact for you. So Return to Nature might be dead sometimes. But just the times where you're facing a lot of artifacts or enchantments that are bombs is also pretty problematic. And you're happy to have that as an option to just kill something main deck in game one. Right. Killing a Trail of Crumbs or an Improbable Alliance or Revenge of Ravens or the time your opponent puts like the 5-5 Scry 2 in their deck. Yeah. You just feel great about having Return to Nature or True Love's Kiss. Yeah. And uh, honestly, and I haven't done it yet, but because the format is grindy, I think also the like exile thing from a graveyard text can be relevant. You know, we're talking about how much black recursion is a big part of this format. I think that is a relevant ability and a third line of text that you shouldn't forget. Makes sense. All right. So we're going to move into the visual portion of this uh, episode. We're going to take a look at some sealed pools here. So we'll have these images and these deck picks for you to take a look at to follow along at home. So this first pool we're going to dive into is pretty sweet, I would say. So looking at things just at a glance, um, our artifacts are very, very deep, though not the best you know i've got like a golden egg no uh no cauldron to be seen here there's a heraldic banner which sometimes can be like fixing or can be pump for you know if you've got a pretty deep color but not a card that i'm super happy with um a couple profit of the peaks at the top end there in case we need some random six drop and then just looking at like colors as a whole looks like red is very shallow like there's only about 10 red cards here or nine red cards here at all so that's probably going to be written off looking at white again white has the problem that white always has we're like most of white cards are good here it's just there's only 11 of them and they're all aggressive and the fact that red is out means that that's probably a bit of a yikes so looking at blue black and green black and green being the deepest of the two colors and also blue and black being a pretty big pull for me in that I have a Lockmere serpent as a rare that that probably gets the nod for me as the most busted card in sealed. It's really really good. It's so hard to deal with. It's like anytime I see someone who's like you know their base colors are black x and then I see them like splashing an island I'm like oh I know what that's for. I know that's for a Lockmere Serpent. Um, so I saw the Lockmere Serpent. I've got a Drown in the Lock as well, the like blue-black counter or removal spell. And so I just decided to build blue-black. That was my initial pass. And this deck doesn't look too bad to me. Like it's got 
black is a really strong color in this pool. It's got double bacon to a pie. I've got Piper of the Swarm. That's the one in a black one three that makes rats. And then you can sack three rats to steal a creature forever. I've got Folio of Fancies, the card that everyone roasted me about last week from not taking that over uh, Order of Midnight in our roundtable discussion. I was with you. Yeah. I, I, here's the thing. I have still not experienced the like not so folio of fancies life that everyone is talking about. I, you know, I tried it in this deck and as we'll get to, this is not the deck that I ended up finding a lot of success with in this pool, but like I have been gotten by the card, but I think way more often than not, my opponent has played it and has done nothing. And for myself, I have a hard time figuring out when I'm supposed to go all in on it, like just activate it and not do other things because it feels like if I don't, then I'm just like, losing value on it and the more i don't activate it the worse it's going to get it's a card that i I have a hard time wrapping my head around Hmm, interesting this deck looks very good to me when i look at it yeah so i i had this deck this is this blue black deck fine it's got like you know like i said it's got removal it has some like early plays it's got the bombs we're playing the lockmere serpent the piper of the swarm we've got some card advantage in or card filtering in sage of the falls we've got prophet of the peak yeah deck looks pretty reasonable so i started off one one with this deck and thanks to uh, someone in Twitch chat, Cedar Krim, uh, who tested for GPU Utrecht with the winner of GPU Utrecht, Petr Sahurik, I turned to a black-green splashing blue build. So what he pointed out to me was that other than Folio, Serpent, and Sage of the Falls, which is the 5-mana 2-5 when you have a non-human enter the battlefield, you can loot if you want to. He was like, other than that, your blue is pretty weak. And he's kind of right. I mean, I'm running like a so tiny double queen of ice, which isn't good. Double tome raider, which is filler because I have nothing that cares about drawing cards. I have a didn't say please, but it's kind of awkward mana wise because I've got double lost legion on three and double bacon to a pie on four and bog naughty on five. Like I'm really trying to lean heavy black, like it just isn't lining up great. And I'm sort of kind of embarrassed that I hadn't realized that I was like, yeah, this blue isn't very good. And so I checked out black green splashing blue and splashing is not something I was very excited to do in this format because I just didn't think that fixing was there but I really did have a good green base to do this so I had a beanstalk giant and a rose thorn acolyte I also had a golden egg and I had a heraldic banner which in a pinch could name blue to help out with a splash so with banner beanstalk giant rose thorn acolyte and egg, all I had to do is run one island and I could splash Sage of the Falls and Lockmere Serpent. And I didn't end up splashing Folio of Fancies here because I felt like it being early was when it was at its best. And if it's a splash card, I'm not going to have it early like almost ever. And so I opted to not run it here. So then going base black green, getting some other goodies from green, like just beef with like Garenberg Paladin, Twinville Treefolk, Return to Nature as a fine main deck card. I also got to run a Lucky Clover here in this build because I've got Lovestruck Beast, Beanstalk Giant, Twinville Treefolk. We got Reaper of Night also. Reaper of Night, right? The, the Live the dream of Lucky Clover into Reaper of Night make you discard for. So I was sort of embarrassed a little bit that I hadn't considered this deck already in my initial pass. But once I saw it, I was like, oh, this seems way better. Like I still get the good... Blue of Sage of the Falls and Lockmere Serpent, but this deck seems much more consistent to me. So let me ask you something, because what sticks out to me with this deck is you just have way more cards that do things. I When I was building sealed pools, I found it was easy to make some decks that looked okay, but that actually had a lot of air to them. Like what you were talking about with the Tome Raiders not yeah. really being a real card. This deck has some beef. Garenberg Paladin, Toonvale, Treefolk, Lovestruck Beast. I mean, Lovestruck Beast is obviously good. Beanstalk Giant is great. 
but I've just been way more impressed than I normally would with big, dumb creatures in the sealed format. Yeah, power and toughness, I think, is very, very important. Okay, that's good to hear you say that as well. Yeah, so I ended up 3-2 at this league, going 1-1 one one with the blue-black deck initially, and then swapping into this and going 2-1 with this deck. Okay, on to pool number two. Yeah, uh, okay, so pool number two. All right, so let me just let's see what I see here, and then you tell me what you built. So checking out this pool, first thing that draws my eye, if we look at gold cards, there's double Merrileaf Pixie, there's an Improbable Alliance, Rampart Smasher, that's the Gruul hybrid card, and the Okame Ranger, that's the Selesnya hybrid card. If we look at colors, white looks, again, like we've said, aggressive. There's a Fairy Guide Mother, Triple Silver Flame Squire, Mysterious Pathlighter as a 2-2 Flyer Adventure Payoff, Ardenvale Tactician, Archon of Absolution. I've been crazy impressed with that card. That's the 3 a white 3-2 Flyer with Pro White, and your opponents have to pay one for each creature that wants to attack you. But again, very aggressive, so looking to pair that with some aggressive stuff. Green, unfortunately, looks pretty shallow. You have no good low drops. There's an out muscle is really the only card that pulls me towards green. So unfortunately, these Merrily Pixies look like they're not really going to get played as a result of that. In red, again, there's a lot of red cards here, but there's not a lot of good red cards. There's an Ember's Shieldbreaker. That card's been outstanding. That's the one in red 2-1 with the adventure of single red destroy target artifact. There's a Brimstone Trebuchet, Double Merchant, an Opportunistic Dragon. That's definitely a pull to red as far as rares go. The two red, red, four, three flyer that sort of takes something on your opponent's side and deactivates it as the dragon's treasure. It's very flavorful. Black, as we've said, is busted, and it looks like you're going to be playing black. I would be shocked if you didn't end up playing black. So there's Bake into a Pie, Reeve Soul, Order of Midnight, Piper the Swarm. That's the black rare there. Double Barrow Witches to rebuy Order of Midnight with. It's really grindy. And then if we look at blue, blue also looks super deep. So I would be ruling out initially white and green in this pool. And I would be looking at blue, black, and red. So the blue cards that stand out, Triple Moonlit Scavengers, although it doesn't look like you have great artifacts to turn that on. Midnight Clock definitely stands out to me as a very good card. If we're base blue, there's a Fairy Vandal as a build around. If we're drawing cards, you have a Witching Well to draw cards with. So, and Double Hypnotic Sprite as Adventures, that's the double blue 2-1 flyer, and the adventure side of it is two and a blue counter target spell with CMC three or less. I think I would initially look at Black Red, but I don't know if you get there on playables in black red and then as far as artifacts go scalding cauldron golden egg to help splash but not not great artifact support either so with armed with that knowledge i'm very curious to see where you went with this pool yeah so i'm pretty much in line with what you talked about so my first deck that i built was black red um it's pretty strong it lets me play opportunistic dragon and piper the swarm which are two of my best rares I think it's a, maybe it's a 10-8 split, not 9-9. Nine, nine. Um, you know, the mana is a little tense because I do want to be pretty deep in black for Lost Legion on three, Bacon to a Pie on four. I've got Reaper Knight, but I also have, you know, some early red that I want in Merchant of the Veil vale and Haggle. So I think I ended up going 10-8 here, but this is just like pretty rock solid. There's 17 creature spells, good removal suite in Cauldron, Reeve Soul, Searing Barrage and Bacon to a Pie. Got the double Reaper Knight to try and grab cards out of my opponent's hand. I've got good card filtering and Merchant of the Veils. So I was pretty happy with this deck. Yeah, that deck checks all my boxes for seal. It's got removal, it's got bombs, it's got card advantage. Yeah. So I did also check out Blue Red. So in this deck, we've got 
uh, Improbable Alliance and Fairy Vandal as draw two payoffs. And there is a lot of support. And I also get to play the dragon as well. And I also now get to play Midnight Clock as a good bomb that I wasn't able to play before. But in terms of draw two synergy to turn on the alliance or the fairy vandal i have a witching well i have double thrill of possibility i have double merchant of the veil i have unexplained visions i have a fair amount of stuff that turns on the double moonlit scavengers at the top as well with cauldron witching well golden egg improbable alliance and clock and brimstone trebuchet so i wasn't super worried about that also a card or monitor in there is just a you know good early blocker that does that as well so I think this deck looks good as well. And maybe I'm just sort of enamored with blue red in this format in general, because I also was like happy about the blue red deck you built today on stream. And you were like, nah, I'm not into this deck at all. Um, But between the two decks, I wasn't really sure which was better. But I started off with black red quite a bit. So the black red deck looks better to me when I'm looking at them, just based on what I'm looking for, mostly because of I think it's got better late game. It's got better individual card quality. It's not so reliant on synergy. And it's got a better removal suite, I think. Mm -hmm. I think your blue-red deck is significantly lacking in the removal department compared to the black-red deck. That's true. So uh, when I was against aggro, actually, I swapped into the blue-red deck more than the black-red deck, which may seem a little weird, but it felt better because like, my spot removal wasn't as good. And so the fact that blue-red deck didn't have as much didn't matter. Like I just wanted you know, cheap, stupid stuff like the one four or whatever. And I made a few swaps when I did that. Like I took out the unexplained visions and the Vantress Paladin and brought in some booties in like the one five turtle for four and steel gaze Griffin when I was facing like a bunch of flutter foxes or whatever. Um, so it was nice to swap between the two. But even before all that, I did build a third deck. So I felt like both the black red deck and the blue red deck had good late game. So I was like, all right, well, I got to build a deck that sits on the other end of the spectrum. And I took a look at black white aggro and i also think this deck looks fine as well you know a lot of our white cards are good we've got triple silver flame squire glass casket there's a fairy guide mother an ardenville tactician it's like a little uh adventure synergy with a mysterious Pathlighter. there's some knight synergy and we have double barrow witches to get stuff back we still get to play piper of the swarm we get to play a wintermore commander the white black uh two power death touch creature like this deck looks also good to me, but I ended up never siding into this deck. Yeah, it's tough to give up on a card that's as good as Opportunistic Dragon, I think. Yes. Well, especially when the red supported it so well. Like Merchant of the Veil is a card that I think both you and I are pretty high on in draft, and it's just better in sealed. Oh, it's great in sealed. Yeah. Um, and so that deck where I sort of bounced between black red and blue red ended up going four one. Very cool. So just in general, are there cards like some speaking of Merchant of the Veil, are there cards that have overperformed in sealed in your experience? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of cards that get better in sealed in most formats are going to get better in sealed in this format. So when you think about targeted discard like memory theft has been very good i think that's also in line with your assessment of adventures being better than normal so it feels really good to not only be able to you know grab your opponent's bomb out of their hand before they can cast it but also being able to grab their adventure before it resolves as a creature like a lot of people are going to be playing adventures just because getting that card advantage is so important i think beyond that getting recursion card advantage that way in black like forever young or barrow witches is great card draw or card filtering in red like merchant of the veil like thrill of possibility like thrill of possibility is not a card that i'm happy to play in like non-blue red decks in draft basically but it's probably going to make any red deck that i have unless like i'm super stocked on playables 
I'd say prized Griffin is pretty good. Like five mana, three, four flyer is tough to deal with. Though I think, you know, it, it again doesn't super line up with what White's trying to do. I mean, obviously White's trying to be down in the air and a five mana, three, four flyer is a good finisher, but it is like expensive, more expensive than White generally wants or generally has access to. Yeah, I, I would add to that list just green beefy creatures. Garen Brig Paladin to Unveil Tree Folk. I've been very impressed with stuff that's got a lot of power and toughness stats. Yeah. So, and while I think that, you know, the sealed format is generally going to be two color, like I would say you should be two color, like almost always. But, you know, in one of my pools, I didn't end up, as Ben mentioned, getting a mono red deck. So I had double Torbrin, which is insane, and just had the red to support it and the colorless cards that lined up with it, getting like a heraldic banner, et cetera. Um, yesterday I was watching quarter calls play in uh, a PTQ and he had a five color deck and he actually just had ways to support it. Like he had double beanstalk giant, a rose thorn acolyte, a golden egg. Like he could really support it. And he had the stuff that was worth splashing for as well. So while those can exist, I think those are pretty big outliers. And I've, you know, I faced a couple multicolored decks and a couple monocolored decks, but by and large, I really think you want to be building a deck that has a consistent mana base that is two colors, that is really thinking about which of its two colors is its base color and building the deck appropriately. Yeah, that makes sense. Anything stick out to you as far as player draw when you're playing through your matches? I am on the play in the dark in this format just because I think curving out is important and not falling behind is important and getting to four mana first feels important because that's when all the really good stuff starts to happen. You know, if you get to play your hybrid cards or get to start adamanting out stuff or whatever, get to start playing your your big bombs. But I have definitely seen situations where being on the draw in the dark was appropriate. I have made deck building considerations or play draw considerations based on the matchup. So I would just keep all that fluid for yourself. But as a like rule, as a heuristic, I would say you want to play first and play 18 lands. I think the exception to that really is what Ben S talks about when you've got cheap removal or cheap interaction. Like if you've got so tiny or if you've got scorching dragon fires and you can afford to be on the draw, then I think you probably would be okay with that. But if you've got a normal looking deck, probably start on the play. Yeah, and also this was a suggestion I gave to Quarter Calls yesterday when I was watching him build this deck. Was he wanted? He was like, I think we can be seventeen lands with this deck. I was like, I think that means you want to draw first because your deck is going to mulligan pretty poorly. This like five color deck, but he had a bunch of cheap interaction that supported being on the draw. Yeah, that makes sense. Did any patterns that you found as far as gameplay that emerged or game plans that you were consistently running into? Both of my green decks just wanted to trade dudes off and then win the game with a big threat. Both of the green black decks or trade things off and then drown my opponent in card advantage through recursion. Yeah, I I would say a lot of stuff. I think I texted you after my first game of Sealed. I was like, well, it came down to a who decks first forever young mirror. And I was like, if this is what Sealed is going to be like, I'm going to cry. Like, I had one Merfolk Secret Keeper in my deck, and being able to cast Venture Deeper twice on my opponent that game, thanks to my Forever Young, was the thing that put me one card ahead in my library and caused me to win the match. That sounds miserable. It was miserable. I was like, this can't be what this format is like. And thankfully, it really wasn't. Like, sure, there have been grindy matchups. Like, there's a lot of good cards in this format, right? The power level of commons are pushed. So you're going to have people who can interact with your good stuff and vice versa. You should be able to interact with your opponent's good stuff. And so I don't think that things have 
gone beyond the normal archetypes, I would say, in terms of like, you know, the blue black decks are trying to draw a bunch of cards, use removal and use recursion. Black in general is just trying to to do that, to just like one for one until you can two for one, two for one, or, you know, restack your library with Forever Young or whatever, or Barrow Witch is back in Order of Midnight and then Alter Fate, get back another creature and, you know, all that sort of attrition-y things that the Salt Eye Colors are trying to do, um, I think is not only inherent in draft, but it also exists in sealed as well. And I just think like being mindful of, for me, I think the biggest switch was noticing when those red, white decks or white, green aggro decks or whatever my aggressive decks were, you know, noting when I felt like I needed to fill in the gaps or like lowering my expectations from how those decks looks super streamlined in draft, but aren't going to really be super streamlined in sealed. And so being okay with maybe I got to run a thrill of possibility in my red aggro deck, or maybe I have to run a once in future in my green aggressive deck, that sort of thing. Like, I think you need to be able to make exceptions because your deck is very rarely going to be that sort of streamlined aggressive deck and having some card filtering, card draw, ways to mitigate some flood in the mid to late game so you can maybe punch through the last pieces of damage. And that's really important, I think, in these sealed decks is like having that you're getting into them for those abilities to punch through the last bits of damage. Like you've got the Ardenville Tacticians that are doing that so well, or you've got, you know, maybe even a blow your house down to be able to do that just because your opponents are going to stabilize. Like they're going to more often than not be in these salt eye colors. So if you find yourself in an aggro deck, you got to figure out what ways you're going to build your deck to be able to punch through those last bits of damage, especially when you're not on the play. Speaking of punching through, another card that I think goes up in value from draft is tempting, which is I was very impressed with that from me and my opponents. The two and a black one three that can sack a fruit to have target opponent lose three life. That feels like a must kill threat at common at certain points in the game. And that's very valuable and sealed to be able Mm -hmm. to have a three drop that blocks well that is going to be a late game threat when the board stalls out. Yes, I would agree with that 100%. I mean, also because it doesn't take much for Black X to have some food synergies or food payoffs or whatever. And the Witch is very much a food payoff, I would say, as you can be stalling the board a lot. And then you've got this stupid Witch that you have to deal with because it's just going to start chucking food at you. Yep. So I think, you know, only having done two seals, if I were going to go to a GP, I would feel very comfortable going in on two seals worth of prep, honestly. Just because I don't feel like it's that different from draft. I feel like you're looking for the same types of synergies, the same types of game plans in the decks. So just a little bit slower, but bombs, removal, good cards, like the best cards are still the best cards. There's not a lot of things that have changed in valuation, I don't think. No, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, like I, like we've said a few times, it's it's the normal things that change in sealed, um, save for I think spinning wheel being one of the things that feels like it got a lot better. And I think a lot of the artifacts, though we're already very high on Scalding Cauldron and Golden Egg, those just get markedly better in sealed because you just know that they can make your deck 100% of the time. And that really helps when you've got a shallow color that has strong cards, but doesn't quite get there on number of playables, then you can look to those artifacts as being good cards you can slot into your deck. Yeah. So yeah, so looking for consistent mana, looking for a good curve, power level of cards, card draw or card selection, recursion, any of that ways to like grind out into the mid and late game. Um, I think play first, play 18 lands. Those are my, my biggest takeaways from this format. And go crush your next GP. 
Crush your next GP. Good luck to everyone playing in GP Phoenix this weekend. Sorry we didn't get this out earlier for folks playing in Utrecht uh, last weekend or two weekends ago, but I believe there will be a lot of Throne of Eldraine competitive sealed events coming up in the next few months, and hopefully this helps you crush those in the future. And looking ahead to next week, I think you and I are planning to dive into the world of Throne of Eldraine on Arena. I am not looking forward to it. I was hoping you had forgotten we had planned on doing that. (laughs) I look if you want to abandon ship I'm all for it passing up on one of the best draft formats of all time if not the best on MTGO does not sound appealing to me based on what I've heard about arena although it does sound like things have calmed down a little bit yeah I would say so but uh but maybe not maybe not the most I I don't know like yeah Revenge of Ravens isn't going super late but I still keep seeing these like six secret keeper decks I just feel so lost in the discord when people post what's the picks on arena I'm like well I think it's this but that's just based on an educated guess. It just feels so hard to try to navigate a draft versus bots in this format because all I want to do is bob and weave and I just, my gut tells me that that is not the right approach on Arena. Yeah, and I think the fact that you and I don't know and that you and I have these sort of like gut instincts but can't back them up with anything probably means we need to dive into Arena this week, get some data out there for the fine folks next week and then uh, and then maybe get some updates pass up on playing on arena for a little bit and then have some updates come and uh and then we can check back in sounds good i think that's a great place to wrap us up thank you as always to salty pretzels for our intro and outro music make sure you give it a listen if you want to check us out on twitch and twitter i'm at twitch.tv slash lord tupperware ben is at twitch.tv slash mr metronome we're both under those same usernames on twitter and you can tweet at the podcast at lords of limited if you've got any feedback about the show or any questions shoot us an email at lords of limited at gmail.com we are also now not only on twitter we're on facebook now ben so you guys can check us out on facebook posting our episodes there and come interact with us on a different social media platform thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week for another episode of lords of limited thanks everybody see you later Can we, we just have to pause for a second. That person's name is Cedar Crumb. I think I've called them sarcasm for like the last two years on Twitch. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I, I think so, right? Why would that be sarcasm? I don't know. That's just how I've always read that. I see. <laughs> I see the name there. I'm, I'm pretty sure I've called that person sarcasm for a long time. <laughs>